welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us, Erica. I was, I was thinking this morning as I was getting myself ready for this conversation about how we met, which was uh, in the back of a presentation at a Fortune conference about employee engagement, and we're sitting next to each other and kind of introducing ourselves to each other quietly, whispering as the as the presentation was getting underway and, and understanding how much we had in common about our belief and connectedness and communication. And I thought, well, we really must be connectors and relationship builders if we're building this relationship sitting in the back of the room having never met before. So it's great that um, this, this connection we made is turning into this conversation. I'm really excited to have you as our guest today. So um, I think one of the things that struck me when I met you in the back of that room was the title of the project you're currently working on, the Spaghetti Project, which uh, obviously is a, a, a thought-provoking title. So tell us a little bit more. What is the Spaghetti Project? How did you get here? What does it all mean? Right. So as Nicole said in the introduction, I've spent 20 plus years working in the human capital space. And I define that as, as really helping companies improve their performance through people. So it's everything from coaching to performance management to looking at how organizations are designed and how people communicate. And as technology started becoming more and more prevalent in the workplace, I began to see a bit of a shift. Some good, some not so good. And uh, we'll get into some of that, but everything from people choosing to call into a meeting from down the hall, or someone choosing to send an email um, instead of picking up the phone, where in that specific situation the phone might have been a better option. Or people who you know, don't work at a desk who all of a sudden were feeling increasingly left out because they didn't have the right technology. So lots and lots of changes. And I began to research the impact of, of these technologies on relationships at work. And as I started my research, I came across this study out of Cornell University by a professor named Kevin Niffen. And Kevin's father was a firefighter. And so when he began to do his research looking at what drives performance in groups, it was, a, it was logical for him to study the firefighters. And what he found was that the firefighters who were truly dedicated to the long-standing tradition of the firehouse meal actually correlated with higher levels of performance, and those firefighters saved more lives. So it was something intuitively that I felt and understood, but now there was actual data to back it up. And when I started to look even more closely at the firefighters and looking at vintage photos like the one you're seeing on the screen, or television shows like Chicago Fire, you know, as many of us know, the go-to meal or the stereotypical meal for firefighters is spaghetti and meatballs. And so as I began this, this research in depth and consulting and speaking to companies about these issues, I decided to call my work The Spaghetti Project. I love it. It's great. I think about at, at Zinc, we have the luxury of having lunch brought in every day. And, oh. um, and it, it, I mean, it, it's great. It's great because we don't, and people don't have to go out and wait in lines at the trendy food trucks in San Francisco and be gone for an hour and a half. But it's also great because people tend to gather and sit and have lunch at the lunch tables. And as the leader, I love seeing people from different groups sitting down and having lunch together. And they, they're rarely talking work. You know, they're, they're making connections. And I, I think it's a, a great impact. So I, I, love, I love the name. I love the story of where it comes from. Um, and speaking of 
trendy food trucks in San Francisco. Let's talk a little bit about the future of work. Um, I think you obviously brought up lots of changes that have happened in the way people communicate, and a lot of it has been introduced by technology. You can send a text from a, a, a different conference room versus getting up and, and walking or making a phone call. So I think that technology is certainly changing um, the dynamics of the workplace, but certainly a, a whole new generation of workers, and that will be followed by another whole new generation of work, workers, is, is changing that the dynamics in the workplace, and that is the future of work. So what's your perspective on connectedness and communication and, and the future of work? I mean, there's so many trends we can get into, but I'll, I'll just highlight a couple. Um, I would say the first that you're seeing on the screen is by 2020, you know, over 70% of the workplace is going to be made up of millennials. And we've all read a lot about millennials. We hear a lot about millennials. To me, millennials are bringing some amazing things to the workplace. They're demanding that organizations really think about relationships at work because millennials, more than many generations, want to feel connected to their managers. They want to feel connected to the greater organization. They want to feel connected to a, to a greater purpose. So it's pushing organizations really to think about this in, in a much more impactful way. And they have to do that or they won't be able to attract and retain millennials, which is a problem when they're making up the bulk of the workforce. I'd say the second trend that I'll highlight is that, you know, given that people are living longer, this is a very interesting moment in time because there are actually, in many organizations, four to six generations of workers working under the same roof. And so there's some great things about that and some challenging things about that because, because the person who's 70 has a different comfort level with certain mediums of communication versus someone in their 20s. So what companies need to think about is, is how to really capitalize the the, the best of all these generations, but you know, manage some of the conflict that uh, that comes along with it. And then the last trend um, is this whole issue around flexibility. That you know, work all workers. This is again older workers, millennials, the next generation that you reference, really are demanding a sense of flexibility in terms of how, when, and where they work. And the jury's still out on how this is evolving. But I will say that two things. One, companies can't hide from it. They have to address it if they want to attract and retain top talent. And number two, having the right technology is critical to building flexibility into the workflow at all different kinds of companies. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I, I had a funny experience last night. My daughter, who's eight years old in third grade, came home from her second day of school, and she said, Mommy, the teacher said if we want to get an, a good idea of what we're going to be doing this year, that we should go look at the Twitter feed for Room 10 at Happy Valley Elementary School. So I, I, <laughs> yeah, I certainly never thought I would hear that. But we got on my computer, and I found it. And we, she literally, she, I like went and made dinner. She scrolled down the whole Twitter feed, and she saw the Halloween project and the Pilgrim project and that like she got herself totally connected to what she's going to be doing this year and I thought I mean again like certainly when I was in third grade there was like papers sent home and that was about it and it's it, it, I felt her being connected to her teacher to her class to becoming engaged with what their curriculum was going to be for the year um, 
made me think about that another part of the future of work, which we see a lot at Zinc, which is being connected to the knowledge and information. And again, before technology really took over the workplace, there were only a few ways to be educated and to get information about what, was, what, what you need for your job, right? It's either in person or through literally like mail, snail right. mail. Um, and now it's email, it's texting, it's messaging, it's voice, it's video, it's broadcast communications. And I mean, obviously that's what we're all about at Zinc is, is helping technology be a positive way of sharing information and knowledge through the organization. Um, but taking those tenets of the future of work where, hey, get on Twitter and learn what your curriculum is going to be by viewing it from last year, like that is applicable. You know, she's the next generation. So she's going to come into the workforce demanding, like, where's the feed of what I need to know, right? So um, I, I'm, in, I'm in total agreement with you. And, and I think it's a good segue to let's kind of dive into the technology component of communication. Obviously, um, again, that's what we're all about. We're about delivering technology that makes building connections and having frequent communication possible. What's your take on best practices for technology? How should companies be thinking about the right and the wrong ways to have technology help them build these connections? So I describe this when I speak to companies as finding the sweet spot between leveraging all that's great about technology but also, quote unquote, putting it in its place. And we need to think about doing both. So with your daughter's example, it's great. She'll be on Twitter and she'll find out what's going on. The hope is when she gets to school tomorrow in third grade, that they're using different mediums and they're also obviously communicating face to face. So I think that we technology is more important than ever in, in connecting people, in understanding its role but we also need to you know, not always forget about these other mediums. So when I'm talking to companies about how technology can, can strengthen relationships at work, I break it into what I call the three Ps. The first is prioritize, the second is position, and the third is protocols. And I'll, I'll go through each of them briefly and, and happy to answer any questions about them. But the first is, you know, in, as a CEO of a company, you know, do you prioritize relationships at work. I mean, you gave the example, you bring in food, you get people to, to you know, encourage people to stop for a few minutes and, and have lunch and hopefully lead by example that you're stopping to, to have lunch, that you are prioritizing relationships. And the question that I ask people, which it's a, it's a simple question, but oftentimes really takes people back and, and it's, it's pretty meaningful, is does your calendar reflect your values? And how are you, like the firemen, honoring relationships at work? And really trying to, to peel back the layers and see how you're spending your time. The second is, is position. How can we position technology to strengthen relationships? And I, I call this, um, you know, one way to think about this is we think about communication along a continuum. On the one end, we have instant message, text, email, pick up the phone, walk down the hall, fly, you know, from in New York, you're in, you're in San Francisco, get on a plane and fly to San Francisco. And all of those mediums are not created equal, and also depending on our jobs, we have different access to different mediums. So when I think about positioning technology to strengthen relationships, we need to match the message to the medium. And pause, 
pause, get our people to pause and think strategically about one, about when one medium might be more appropriate than another. When should you send a phone call? When, when should you send the text? And I'll get back to the third one in a minute, but I know that you and I have spoken about this, and I, I think what's so interesting about Zinc is how the, the tool supports my, you know, number two so well. Yeah, I, I mean, just even hearing you talk about it again, I think it's a big part of, of what we're trying to achieve at Zinc, which is giving companies the opportunity to quickly change the medium for how communication is delivered. Uh, and I was thinking of an example of a, of a customer of ours who, before Zinc, they have, uh, they have thousands of field technicians that are basically out fixing things at residences across the country. And they had a big retention problem, and they, were, they also had a first-time fixed rate problem, which meant that their technicians weren't solving the problem the first time and were having to close the work order, leave, terrible for customer service, but also expensive for the company to have to send another technician. So they did a survey. And the number one thing that came back on the survey from the technicians was communication. And they basically said, you email us when there's a new fix or there's something that we need to know. We're in the field. We're not sitting in front of a computer. We're not looking at our phone. We're not, like, we could go five, six, ten days without even reading our email. And then at that time, you know, we're, you're, we're not equipped with the information and we feel completely disconnected from you. They don't have the opportunity to just call everybody together into a room and say, hey, here's some new information because everybody's at a different house across the country, right? So they were looking for a way that they could, everyone's got a phone, right? So send them a text. Um, allow them to get on a video call and show another technician the problem they're experiencing so they can leverage that tribal knowledge and solve the problem or send a broadcast and have it look like an alert that comes on their phone, not some email that's not going to get read. And the ability to, to switch modes, go back and forth like, okay, we're texting, but let's get on a video call, um, I think is, is to your point that's effective communication versus just relying on, okay, I'm just going to try emailing or giving them 10 different apps, right? Well, you Skype for this and you Slack for that and you, um, you know, you go to Yammer to get this. I'm sorry, I'm in the field. I'm driving a truck. I'm trying to fix problems. Like, just make it easy for me. And I think that gets lost in a lot of the technology that gets delivered to, to help in these ways. Um, and what I would say is it's what, um, it's your ability using the technology that you've built, what, and it, it correlates with what the data shows with that this is good for people as that they feel connected to other people in the field. They feel connected to the bigger purpose of the organization. They're actually making change, fixing problems, and it's also good for the bottom line if you can reduce that first time fix-it rate. And so it's, it's just bringing this thinking around how do we position technology to strengthen relationships and really being strategic. Um, and I'm sure, and I know you speak to your clients about this, about, and, and, and luckily for them, you know, Zinc is very intuitive, but I'd say for all organizations, you know, these companies, it's not always that intuitive to say, you know, when should you send a broadcast? When should you send a text? And, and that ongoing education 
is important given the future of work trends that we touched on, which is that there's so many different generations in the workplace. And so, yeah. so just bringing it back to the three Ps, the first is prioritizing relationships and making sure that you have a technology, if you have desk workers, that you have a technology like this. The second is positioning the technology. And the third is you need to create those protocols. Give, give people sound bites on when one of these mediums might, might be right and actually create some organizational protocols around it. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about, just maybe when we, when we met in Aspen you know, a month ago, the, it is only the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone. I mean, we feel, we can't remember our, right? Isn't that insane? We feel that our lives, that we, this technology has been around forever, but the reality is it's so new. And as I've gone around the country talking to CEOs, millennials, and everybody in between on the impact of technology on relationships, the image that kept coming up over and over in my head was, you know, the sheriff, that this is the Wild West. You know, and, and who do you need in the Wild West? You need the sheriff to help create rules of the road and, and guidelines. So from where I sit, you know, strong leaders and companies need to communicate to their teams and educate them on, on how to use technology to solve business issues. Yeah, totally agree. It's funny, just my same eight-year-old daughter the other day said, Mom, did they have cars when you were little? <laughs> and I thought, you know, to her, like, the fact that we didn't have phones and that everyone didn't have a computer and, like, that to her is, is equal to not having cars. So I agree. I, I can't. I can't even count the number of times I say it's early days in this in this technology space. It is early days, and we are all migrating off of email as a primary form of communication. And I do think, and you use the worm deskless, the term deskless workers, which we use all the time. Um, that's seventy-two percent of the workforce is not sitting in front of a computer. They don't read their emails. And now that we have phones, and now that we have technology is ubiquitous. Everybody texts. Something like 98% of people admit that they've texted someone sitting in the same room as them. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, wait till I think a teenager, like my three teenagers, and they'll yeah, exactly same room. Exactly, um, and and I'll round out the story about that customer. A year later, they did the same survey, and um, communication was number three, not number one. Number one was benefits. Number two was work hours. So it's interesting that you know you that in one year the thing that um, the thing that was the biggest problem went from one to three, and actually the communication one was nuanced because they were basically saying, "Hey, now we want some. We love having Zing because we can communicate all the time, but now we want some more best practices on like when, how, how to use it." Uh, and their retention numbers went uh, went way up. So. I want to transition a little bit to a question about how do you correlate communication to real business results. But let's move into the last, perhaps maybe the most important question for business leaders, which is communication, engagement. Um, those are those are often thought of as soft, soft um, measurements, metrics. And there are plenty of business leaders that say, hey, I want something that I know is going to truly impact my bottom line, my top line, and you've got to help correlate better communication to business results. How do you handle that question, which you probably get asked as often as I do? 
I do. Um, well, and for the naysayers out there, I would say that you know we've seen more and more hard data that that supports the connection between honoring relationships at work and and business success. So whether you and I can rattle off a couple different ones, and I think there's this this goes for whether employees are remote or whether they're face to face. You know, engagement is at an all time low. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to attract and retain top talent. So for many CEOs, it is one of the number, you know, the top three things on their list of, of challenges. So a few of the surveys for, for people who are interested in learning more, you know, one is it's become somewhat well known, which is the Gallup study that says that if you have a best friend, a friend at work, you're connected to people at work. Your, you, your engagement goes up, your workplace satisfaction goes up, and attrition goes down. And there are very clear numbers associated with turnover. Um, so if somebody needs some, some clear data for his or her CEO, the, the turnover data is one that jumps out. Some other just you know, interesting anecdotes. I read a, a, there's a study out of Harvard recently from the airline industry, which found that 73% of incidents um, on a plane occur the first time a crew has flown together. And a second study out of NASA found that a, a fatigued crew with um, a history of working together makes half as many mistakes as a well-rested crew that wow. has a history of working together. And so I bring that up just to show that, well, first of all, um, many of us fly a lot, so not to worry. The airlines know this, and they've actually built in time for connection and introductions. You might see a crew literally introducing themselves when they get on the plane or sometimes on the little bus or in the lounge. And I bring this up just to, to show that when you do, again, this could be remote or it could be face-to-face, -face, invest time to, to build strong relationships there are real performance. I mean, this, this, this is linked very, very uh, strongly to performance. And then clearly we have the, the fireman example where they are out there saving lives. And in many of our jobs, we're all saving lives or, or, or having business results in different ways. The common theme across all of these studies is that the companies need to be intentional about how they honor relationships at work both via technology and, again, by putting it in its place. Yep. Totally agree. Um, okay, so we'll take a question. Uh, this is a great one. Can you talk about the importance of authenticity and language in business communication? I find that a lot of people don't do either very well in business. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I would say a couple of things on that. I mean, going back to the millennials, they want and are demanding authenticity. And so part of it is when you're hiring managers, you need to make sure that you either train or hire managers and you're giving them the skills to truly connect with the people with whom they work. They've got to, it goes back to the three Ps, they've got to prioritize those relationships. For people that have trouble on the authenticity side, one um, tip that I often give is to use, use storytelling as a way to connect with people. You know, use, the, use that as an example, because if you're using storytelling about something that actually happened, you know, it's hard to be inauthentic if you're telling a true story that's actually um, showing how 
how someone did something and how it's aligned, let's say, to the values of your, of your company. So we have a question about your book. Can you tell us a little bit more about the book and when it's coming out and how to get it and those fun facts? Sure. So the book is called Bring Your Human to Work. And um, it's, the subtitle is 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace that's good for people, great for business, and just might change the world. And you know, a lot, we, we've touched on some of these themes today, but when we, when we talk about how the future of work has changed and the impact of technology, to me this is a win-win-win. That we're seeing, for example, with the deskless workers, that they feel more connected. It's good for people. It's having a very positive impact on business. And in many ways, it begins to, to change the world. And so the book will be structured in each chapter. I'm interviewing CEOs from a broad range of companies that, um, that believe in, in bringing their human to work. And what's nice about it is that, let's say your CEO doesn't fully buy into this concept, and you're a manager at a company, and you have 10 people that report to you. I want to write this book for those people as well, that they can pick this up and make some real changes in their team that really changes the way that people communicate. It, it changes your own P&L because you're able to attract and retain people within your team. I also um, believe that this will be a great book for people looking for a job, for Generation Z and for millennials out there that are looking to change jobs because many of them, they want and again are demanding to work in a human workplace where they feel connected to a greater purpose. So these 10 chapters, these 10 things will be almost like a checklist for them to be able to help vet whether a workplace might be right for them in the future. Yeah, I love it. I love the title. Um, I love the, the, the way you break down the 10 ways and I definitely, I hope I'll get the the earliest copy that yeah. I can get my hands on. <laughs> oh, and um, Rawhill is publishing it and um, okay. coming out next fall in October. Okay, well, we'll have to wait. But uh, in the meantime, we're out of time. So I really am so glad we sat next to each other in the back of that room at the Fortune Brainstorm Conference. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Hope you have a great and connected day. Take care. Take care.